the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 215. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Sean Dring. Welcome back, Sean. Great to have you on the show. No problems. Good to be here. And for those who uh, who don't know you, uh, I'll give you a little intro because uh, 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 you didn't say much last time. So uh, Sean is a technologist who uh, I've known for uh, well, you could say too long. Too, you could too say long. too long, but that wouldn't be fair. Uh, over twenty years, and uh, he's spoken to audiences up and down the country around uh, various technology matters. Probably tens of thousands of people in, in total. I'd be. I'd be picking. Would that be about right? It'd be a few. Yeah. So, um, but uh, always a privilege to have you on the show. So, thank you very much for uh, for coming along. Now, a few interesting things happening in the the technology world this week uh, from all sorts of different directions. I thought maybe we'd start off uh, chatting around a couple of companies, Google and Uber, and driverless vehicles and so on. So um, we've we've heard uh i guess and it, and this is typical in the technology world we've heard some some reports uh <laughs> that uh google is working on a ride sharing app which which i guess is what uh you know what uber gets classed as gets classed as a as a ride sharing uh, app i guess there's a, there's a little bit more to it than that but uh you know in, in terms of um you know you use the app to uh, to call yourself a a taxi of of sorts, except there's no taxi company involved. It's just Uber and uh, any driver and who and wants to driver. who wants to who wants to join up. Um, a little bit like somebody listing on uh, something on Trade Me, it connects you with a with a random individual who's got some sort of uh, rating based on uh, other people's experiences. Uh, so the big player globally at the moment is Uber, and uh, Lyft is the the second biggest uh, based in the US. Um, but yeah, comments sort of suggesting that Google could jump into this space, and that you know this is really around them and their self-drive vehicles, which is, uh, I guess it's it's sort of predictable that things would head in this direction. Of you know, in fact, you know, it's something we've, we've talked about sort of since Uber launched is that the long-term play for Uber is actually to cut the drivers out of it. And to uh, yeah to have self-drive vehicles, mm. um, so yeah, two things going on. Uber um, have announced they're actually uh, involved in a self-driving uh, uh, car project themselves, and uh, Uber haven't said anything official. In fact, their what their tweets are sort of denying it. But there's suggestions that they might get into this uh, into this space. It's a it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, who would you what would you rather do? Would you rather get into the car of a perfect stranger? Sorry, yeah, yeah, of a perfect trainer. Or would you rather just go into a, a car that has no driver at all? It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Well, and, yeah, I guess it depends on the scenario. And, yeah, the benefit of, of uh, you know, when you compare the, the difference from a purely cut-out sort of people interaction and, and that side of it, which I always find interesting, particularly when you're travelling... Uh, I thought you were going to say particularly when you're drunk. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it depends where you're travelling too, because in some parts of the world, you know, a lot of the drivers won't have any English. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, that side that side of it's always good. Um, I mean, I'm not you're so bothered about having somebody that can you know pick up my my suitcase or something and, and put it in the boot. Quite capable of doing that myself. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose if you had a self drive uh, car 
that was you know taking people with lots of luggage it would probably have some sort of robotic arm in the future anyway so you could uh uh yeah you could be lazy in those regards so uh well, the interesting with the self uh, self drive car is what happens if it gets it wrong? You know, what happens if you end up in the wrong place? I mean, you can't exactly get a, a start yelling or, at it, or yeah, yell at it, or or you know, have a conversation about no, this is the hotel I was talking about. Well, with Uber, you can give that feedback and sort of query a fare afterwards to say, mm-hmm. hey, they didn't go a very direct route, or they didn't drive very well, or whatever. And and you know, I know, yeah, people have said they've had refunds in the past. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could you could build that sort of element. And there might be, you know, three humans sitting in a in a tower somewhere, uh, you know, res- responding to choosing to respond to some messages, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or maybe that all gets ro- is robotic as well, and they'll. Uh, um, oh, I, I remember. I remember seeing like an advanced version of that on um, uh, what was that Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Remember the guy in the cab? Yeah, yeah. yeah remember when he blew up? <laughs> oh, <Boom. laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were quite cool because there was kind of a you know a. a, a um, Automaton. Uh, is that what they call them? Yeah. yeah. Driving the vehicle. Whereas, I, you know, I, I think they're sort of, you know, jumping straight past that phase of making it look as though there's a, there's a you know, robotic, uh, uh, an actual, yeah, physical robot driving. Just all the smarts are in the car, right? Yeah. That'd be weird, um, jumping in the car that, again, has no steering wheel. Stop people from nicking it, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it depends. I wonder how, how if you could hotwire them. Yeah. You know, take, take over. Hmm. There's um, a challenge. I'm sure. I'm sure. It'll, I'm sure it'll happen on some kind well, of. Well, someone's uh, going to try it. Black right? hat meeting or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they'll try hack into it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Control the the car that's supposed to be safely driving you, and it's take. Uh, instead, it takes you over a cliff. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but fortunately, robots haven't taken over the world just yet. But it is. I think it is fascinating to see where these things are heading. Uh, where we were heading with with drones. Uh, we had. Um, the story in in the last uh, last few days of the, the U.S. Uh, Super Bowl uh, last night, um, but Forbes was reporting on a on a story saying the uh, the U in America the uh, Federal Aviation uh, Commission were were basically promoting the fact that uh, hey there's a no fly zone uh, yeah over, over the game that uh, you're not allowed to take your your uh, your drone. And um, yeah, I thought that was fascinating that the FAA would actually you know go so far as to uh, uh, put out a little video that was up on uh, up on YouTube saying this is a no no drone zone. I guess that the Super Bowl is the event to sort of uh, yeah create that sort of publicity around and get the message out that you are not allowed to be flying your drone into a into a big stadium. You're going to get in a lot of trouble if that happens, right? Yeah, is it is it a copyright issue or a security issue or a bit of both? Well, there could be all sorts of issues, yeah. right? Someone yeah. goes in with a drone with some sort of you know nasty device attached, or someone just goes in with a personal Camera, drone yeah. for a bit of fun, and yeah, steals some some footage, as you you say, yeah. or uh, they go in for a bit of fun and their device gets out of control, and it's a big one, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah it takes out a whole bunch of people. So yeah, there and there have been those sort of accidents. Uh, in the past, with 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 drones amongst uh, crowds, but yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a few a few challenges ahead in terms mm. of uh, in terms of drones, whether it's you know the the, the safety factors and you know arming a drone and the, uh, I guess uh, sort of replicating what the the US military have uh, have have done uh, in a in a smaller sense. You imagine those getting into the hands of uh, 
you know, gangs, mafia, and yeah. and and the likes, a bit of bit of nastiness. Well, I, I just think about the crowds. I mean, how many of those people in the crowds are actually armed? So you know, if they flew in there, would they take pot shots at it anyway? Pull out their little pistol and start taking. Well, that taking could be a bit shots. of fun, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's like a half-time game, isn't it? Well, take if you did drone. it in certain countries, you could, you can, yeah, you can imagine the drone, the drone flies in, yeah. and then across the crowd, there's you know like a hundred people all fi- you know firing and trying to shoot down the uh, you know shoot down someone's drone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you know the interesting thing about um, Amazon delivering things by drone. So you know if you think about LA. Um, you're going to have people, you know, drones flying across LA that are full of, you know, different items. Va- valuable items. Valuable and items. LA is sort of known as a, as a place where there's a, yeah, a, fair, a lot of armed people, a right? A amount of drugs. It, it's, it's almost free, isn't it? If you manage to get it and you watch where it crashes. You can shoot the drone down and grab the goodies. Yeah. 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 So or get a pizza at least anyway. <laughs> well, that's, that's supposed to be coming in our direction here in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, maybe... Uh, maybe or you could have, um, yeah. My brother used to fly model airplanes. I don't know if he, he he still does, but he used to do this thing called the combat wing, and uh, yeah, they would they would uh, fly them on a yeah the planes on a string. They go around and around and okay. sort of circles in the middle, and uh, you have a big streamer attached to the end of the end of each plane. Yeah, and uh, yeah, basically the the winner is the person they use the propeller on their plane to cut the cut the streamer off the other plane so you've got these two sort of basically oh, dog fighting yeah, yeah. planes and and so on going around but uh i can imagine a similar sort of thing with uh with drones you get an attack drone that basically goes in and uh <laughs> you know steals pizza and uh and, a, and goodies that are being delivered and or so a on. decoy one one that flies ahead of it that's super super fast and by the time the slow one comes one you've actually run out of ammunition anyway well, you make it just fast enough to be like a tomahawk missile so you you know your pizza gets there in two minutes breaks the sound barrier on the way through that would that would be impressive well it would keep the pizza hot if you could deliver it that quick right <laughs> yeah, so uh, right. there's definitely yeah. going to be some advantages out well, the, of these, uh, these the, drones the sr-71 i think um, i think it's uh wing temperature is like three thousand degrees or something like that because it was going at mark three so yeah so if they can get the pizza boxes to do that yeah they'll always be warm wouldn't they <laughs> Don't know about your coke though. Yeah, it might be burnt to a bit of a crisp there, Sean. So yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not not sure if that's if that's going to uh, well fly. That's yeah, first world problem. Don't yeah, it? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, so enough about drones. Although you know, it will be interesting to see what sort of uh, challenges we run into into here in New Zealand. I mean, certainly, uh, yeah, fun talking about the, the states, but uh, yeah, there's been some some talk of using New Zealand as a bit of a an R and D and a testing zone, and there's certainly some interesting things going on here. So, um, yeah, be fascinating to see how the government sort of keeps up with uh, with that. Well, it seems our laws at the moment are um, are handling things okay. Yeah. Uh, now, in the uh, in the business world, we've had uh, Google and Microsoft sort of fighting it out in the uh, in the space of providing email services to business and. Yeah, I guess if you look back over the last uh, you know ten or fifteen years, the the yeah the big sort of common uh, email product that businesses installed in their own premises on their local servers was Microsoft Exchange. Now we've moved into this cloud world, and it's becoming more and more common uh, for people to have the the uh, Microsoft uh, cloud version of of Exchange, Microsoft Exchange Online. Uh, or Office 365, and uh, they've been battling it out with Google for that space. Uh, but we hear that uh, Amazon are also about to uh, to jump into that world. And 
you know, compete with uh, Microsoft and Google. Now, this is a fascinating one because mm. Amazon have been so successful. They, they you know, they have been. Um, yeah, absolutely nailing it in terms of market share for a long time in terms of the cloud uh, hosting services that they've offered uh, over a number of years. And you know, we've got Microsoft working very hard to compete with them and you know, a, a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of others, including Google and HP and, and IBM and, and so on that are, that are offering various sort of compete services. But Amazon have that big, big market share mm. uh, in, in the hosted, um, hosted world. The question is, Sean, do you think that um, you know they they have a chance here? Amazon have a chance to really take a significant sort of slice of the market away from uh, Microsoft and uh, and and Google when they launch. Uh, I think in the in the second quarter of the year. Well, really, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they the I don't think that they do. But what they can do, of course, is that they can go to all their suppliers and the people who are who are using their Amazon Web Services, which there are a lot of companies out there doing that. It's just massive. and they can say, hey, well, we can actually reach out to our, you know, our Webmail users, or what do they call it? It's Workmail, is it? Yeah, Workmail users, and you know, we can give them advertisements. We can actually see how they actually use their email products. So we get all that kind of information, which is something that they typically don't do because, of course, Google has that kind of mm. uh, that, mm. that kind of um, Capability and so does, does so does Microsoft. So it is it, it's a great service to offer where you can actually tag on other services to that. Um, you know, so obviously you know purchasing items and um, provisioning services and servers and all those other kind of things in their marketplace and all their suppliers, etc. And the developers on top of the platform can start leveraging it as well. So it, it, it makes sense for them to do it. Yeah, it does, and yeah, you know, I think they've got they've got the platform there. So, yeah, you know, I think it's absolutely natural they should be looking at other ways. They've got this, you know, hugely successful, uh, you know, public cloud uh, service right now, and they've got to look at those sort of value added services where they can earn a premium, hmm. and uh, you know where they keep owning the customers. They're talking about uh, providing uh, users with a 50 gig mailbox, which is pretty sizable. That lines up with micro- what Microsoft uh, generally offer, and you know, four US dollars uh, per month per per user. Uh, so yeah, not to not to you know shabby on the pricing side. That's uh, that sounds like good bang for buck if it works well. Uh, and then um, they're offering a bundle with the um, I think it's Zocalo, um, which is their uh, the, a file uh, storage service, which um, that gives uh, users two hundred gigs worth of uh, of file storage. So mm. pretty pretty good bang for buck overall. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, you've got to have a, a ticket to the game. So that's what they that's what they're doing. Of course, they are still reliant on you know for those who want to run a desktop mail app on uh, on Microsoft Outlook. That still mm. seems to be the um, the sort of the the app to beat. Uh, still, I think there's you know Microsoft are just entrenched with that huge market share, and uh, you know, I guess a feature set that people have come to come to rely on. It's pretty hard to move people once they're uh, once they're comfortable with a product, even if it's not not perfect, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and most of these products are, are you know. Far from perfect, they have their shortcomings and their and their challenges. Yeah, well, um, the, the thing that amazes me about this, and I've been talking about this for years and years and years, is that um, you know people who send emails with attachments, 
You know, if you do that, then in my eyes, you've kind of failed because then you end up with multiple versions of the truth and all this kind of stuff. So Microsoft, of course, go, well, just send a link and the document stored on SharePoint or whatever. You can do co-authoring and you can do all sorts of things with it. Um, and again, all these other providers are starting to do the same thing now. We're in effect, you know, you send a link and you've got the storage capacity there. You've got your 200 gigs. So you can put all your documents up there and, yeah, just use just use that instead. Yeah, it's taken a long time for that to happen, hasn't it? And, and that certainly seems to be what Amazon... Yeah, are talking about here, so having it integrated with that file service, and mm. yeah, you you might go through a process that's a little bit like attaching a file, but it doesn't actually attach the the, the real file. Yeah, it just links back to where where yeah, and where it just it changes the access control list to go. Oh, this person can now access too. They access this too. Makes a lot of um, sense. Yeah. Uh, now, talking of email apps, uh, Microsoft Outlook. It's the the yeah, predominant product that people have used uh, certainly in, in offices for accessing their email for uh, for a long time we've had varying sort of email products on our mobile devices on our smartphones iPhone Android devices etc um, but there hasn't I guess it hasn't sort of shaken out that there's just one one killer product in that space and certainly uh, yeah Microsoft have have had very little penetration in the market uh, they've had their OWA uh, Outlook um, app, um, but they've just just launched uh, Outlook uh, for iOS and for Android. Which, yeah, is interesting that they didn't have a, an app, uh, an, an Outlook app previously on iOS or uh, or Android. And in fact, even their email app on uh, Windows Phone hasn't been called uh, hasn't been called Outlook. Uh, but what they've done here is last uh, late last year, I think it was December actually, so not long ago, only a few weeks ago, they bought a company called Accompli uh, that was selling a funky new uh, uh, email app for uh, yeah, for mobile devices, mm. and they've uh, they've already you know very quickly acquired the company and uh, added not a whole lot of features and uh, relaunched the app as uh, as Outlook. I mean, I've, I've been tinkering with it with a while, and it, it is actually a little bit nicer, I think, than the, the than the traditional app, just because it supports swipe a lot better. So you can swipe something off to your archive, or you know, delete it, or whatever. You can uh, you can move move through it. So it just seems to be a little bit more graceful than the than the the app that you know you're used to. And it keeps your, I guess, it doesn't show you everything in your inbox and in your you know your default view. It's sort of picking the most important stuff. Yeah. So there's potentially some challenges with that. Uh, the way that it does that, though, has sparked a little bit of debate online. Uh, there are there are some who are saying that this uh, the method in which they're using is potentially uh, a bit of a nightmare from a security perspective uh, because they that work of actually sort of sorting the email and working out what's going to happen doesn't actually happen on the phone. It happens in another app that's uh, that's out in the cloud yep. that then has to, for instance, if you, you, you're you yeah, working in a business with your own uh, email server, it's actually keeping a copy of uh, of those details so it can it can log in to that uh, to that server so there might there might be a, a few problems here in uh, in some environments with this this app well, and definitely. particularly if it's not uh, as secure as it should be and uh, those credentials get uh, get leaked 
that said, this is a reasonably common problem, isn't it? The apps have all sorts of levels of access that they shouldn't have. Yep. And, you know, we, we often have an app pops up on the screen and says, oh, I need your, you know, Google credentials to authenticate. Uh, you know, you could get a fake screen that looks like it's the official Google or Twitter or Facebook, or you know, yep. uh, authentication type screen. And actually you're putting in your uh, username and password and it's going to go and sell them or you know, do do whatever with Fish, your uh, with your information, right? Or, or there's classic examples of you you've bought it, you've downloaded an app, and it's been perfectly fine, and it's doing this job, and everything's wonderful. And then an update comes through, and it's like, wait a second, with this new update, they need to know all this extra information. Yeah, I had that yeah. the other day where you know I wanted to be able to uh, I think read my text messages and look at my location, uh, you know, a bunch of other sorts of things that you know well. Hey, I wouldn't give Sean access to that stuff, let alone access to some ran- random application. Yeah, and it's not um, re- really relevant to what the application is actually doing. No, it's no. Like, Wait a second, what, what's happening with this? So I think we've we've and we've in many ways become uh, far too trusting of app developers, and you know, at some stage, I think there's going to be some, yeah, maybe some nasty consequences. I think it's actually surprising that we haven't. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen too many sort of issues come out of this, but over time, I'm sure we will we will see some app that masquerades as something good, and then you know, after 12 months, they'll take all this stuff that they've got from us and uh, and, and build a business on it because uh, actually we've accepted their terms of business, which says yes, you can have all this data, yeah. and yeah, you can do what you like with it because we don't read the terms of service either. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it might not be very ethical, but it uh, it could well be quite legal for uh, for this sort of thing to happen. Again, if you have um, uh, companies get bought and sold all the time, so a developer's done a great job, and then somebody goes ahead and buys them, and they've got you know the you, they've uh, got nefarious ideas. So, uh, again, they're, they're leveraging the good work that's done and, and actually end up doing some you know, nasty things, getting mm. some nasty details. So, I mean, it's always worth looking at, uh, looking at the application that you're installing and seeing what it actually is requiring. You know, if you haven't re- rejected an application because you feel uncomfortable about what it's actually asking, um, probably have a closer look at it. I mean, I've certainly rejected apps. It's like, well, this is useful, but I'm, it's... It's not that useful. I can't justify it. Yeah, I can't justify what's mm. going on. Mm. So yeah, it's always worth worth checking that out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, uh, yeah, talking about uh, yeah security and and whatnot. Uh, there's a news story that came up through uh, through the BBC uh, in in the last few days, and this relates to a uh, a company in Sweden and. They've taken a slightly different approach to security than what most businesses do. Uh, you know, a lot of cases you'll get given your swipe card if you're in a in a big corporate, or you'll get yeah, uh, you, know, you get a pin pin code for getting in the door, or for the uh, you know, in a small business, uh, you know, a pin code for the alarm, and you know, some keys to the front door, etc. Uh, yeah, varying uh, credentials for the for you know how you access thing. Maybe a, a swipe card or, or some way to log into the uh, the printer and the copier so the the business can yeah keep track of the usage. Uh, but uh, the um, the folks at uh, Epicenter uh, uh, office block in, in Sweden, their approach is to uh, insert an RFID little uh, chip under your skin. Are you, in, are you into this, Sean? Would you do this? Um, no, no, no. I mean, I have a hard enough problem with, um, you know, um, 
you know, uh, earrings, <laughs> you know, and they're just purely ornamental. They don't actually do anything. But yeah. um, I suppose it's maybe it's the next generation of things that, that tattooists will do. So you don't actually get a you don't actually get a tattoo. You get an RFID thing that actually shows you what the tattoo would look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I I don't think so. I mean, it, it, I think it's just a blip on the radar of of RFID. Um, for instance, you know. Um, we're talking about the Internet of Things and all this computing power coming down to individual devices. So I, I really don't, you know, if we talk about access to buildings, um, I expect in a few years' time that the building will recognise me based yeah, on as what you, I... As you walk up, just like a doorman a doorman yeah. would if you were in a uh, uh, one of those fancy apartments in Manhattan or something that has a has a doorman, that the, uh, the technology would be yeah. just as good and would greet you and... Uh, Etc. It, it just knows it knows me and stuff. And again, if it gets stuck, I can just use my you know a handprint or a fingerprint or something like that. There's no reason for anything to actually be inside me to actually allow me access. I can see certain things where it'd be kind of useful. So, for instance, maybe military people um, and those kind of really really advanced things when they they need another extra level of of uh, security or identification. But for us ordinary people, I, I, I don't think it's really a a, a good thing. Well, they were talking about uh, you know being able to hold it up to someone's uh, phone to share their uh, share their details if they're out in the club or something or you know at a business meeting whatever the scenario is to share their contacts. Yeah, Does it, is that uh, is that helpful? Or is that just stupid? Um, no, I, I, it could be helpful, but the problem is I didn't see how they could turn that off. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so you, you're walking through there, and maybe you just maybe you do want to be anonymous every once in a yeah, while. So, yeah, yeah. You know, there was no little switch on it to say someone's waving something around and uh, scanning everyone's uh, info. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a crazy thing, and uh, I think the the rudimentary things was it looked like it was just a, like a MAC address and the fact that it was sharing out sort of a unique ID. Um, but there's what's there to stop you from spoofing that? Uh, and again, you've got to think about the on, ongoing thing. So where is this information stored? So, you know, my access to a building is stored in a database somewhere or on the cloud. Um, how is that being used? If another company goes ahead and buys that building, you know, what happens to that data? What happens to that unique ID that I've got? So, you know, you, you think beyond what that and about what it actually, the, the information that's on there and the power of it. it, it it's pretty frightening stuff. Well, there's definitely definitely a, uh, a a few a few challenges, aren't there, with uh, with this sort of thing? And mm. uh, yeah, I guess one of their comments was, "Oh, they you know they're they're trying this stuff out because in the future governments might want to use it, and all sorts of other organisations, Facebook might want to use it for authentication." And yeah, when you start thinking about it like that, it uh, it does all sound uh, a little bit spooky, really. Yeah, and and the thing of creating a second class citizen because they don't have an RFID tag. You know, um, for instance, potentially not being able to leave the country because they can't verify who you are because everybody's got a tag. So you're forced to you're forced to have the um, have it inserted. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, it's all coming back to Total Recall again. Remember when he had that thing up his nose? That was yeah, like a yeah. maybe that, that was that's actually quite an old generation RFID chip, isn't it? Really? Well, yeah, and I guess yeah, there have been all sorts of um, you know things that have pointed towards you know these these things happening for you know varying years and 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 books and movies and and so on and uh, yeah, I think some of those have probably probably made us uh, somewhat spooked about the whole uh, the whole concept, but. Yeah, as we were talking about with phones, we we're, we in many ways we're we're all more relaxed than ever 
around security and and with our information and uh, there's certainly a, a a little bit need to of a need to step back and to, yeah check ourselves on some of these things. Hmm. Now uh, a couple of other things that are interesting. Now WhatsApp. Have you used WhatsApp before? On and off, but not not a not a huge amount. It's not. I, I found it's not. It's one of those applications that for a while was picking up a bit of market uh, in New Zealand. You know, free app for basically you know, texting people. Uh, but of course, we've moved to mobile plans where texting was, was free, so mm. that became that became irrelevant. But there are a lot of countries where you know WhatsApp has become the popular um, you know mobile application for for sending messages because it just uses a little bit of your data mm. rather than text, which you know in, in some countries might cost you know ten or twenty cents uh, each to send. Uh, it's been talked about for some time that they were coming in with a um, yeah basically a calling capability, so you'd not only have free uh, messaging but also a calling replacement as well. And uh, yeah, we just heard in the last few days that um, they've started switching that on for uh, for some people. So that is going to stir things up, a, you know, a little bit. I guess we've got uh, you know we've got the likes of FaceTime and so on on um, and and iMessage uh, on the iPhone, and and that's a really common way for people to communicate. Once you're on iOS, if your friends are on iOS, you communicate that way. Uh, but WhatsApp would certainly stir stir things up a little bit uh, if they start doing that on calling. And of course, uh, Microsoft have been working on some similar stuff around Skype to link in your mobile number with your Skype account. Mm. And of course, Skype, yeah, like WhatsApp, yeah, can run across you know, pretty much any platform. Uh, so it looks like the uh, the money that our mobile carriers sort of make on on calling will go in a similar direction as uh, as text messaging, and it won't be very long before they just give it unlimited because. Uh, yeah, that's really their their only option to uh, to to make it work in their plans because people can get it unlimited using uh, these third party apps anyway. Yeah, I'd be surprised if any of the telcos are surprised by this. I mean, it's really just, um, I mean, the writing the writing's been on the wall ever since you know you've been able to for a long time d- do anything it? with yeah digital information. So it's all about you know. just making it so easy and so ubiquitous that people don't have to think about it, isn't it? While yeah. while there's a few extra steps to go through, you'll you'll just use the 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 calling capability that we're used to making a regular phone call but when you can just get everyone and it will automatically do it and bypass yep. the uh, uh, the carriers calling services and and, and yeah, presuming it works well over the network then uh, yeah we'll we'll forget about that yeah, and, and uh, the key thing is is that the, the the telcos of course they're interested in providing a service that works and if they just have to focus on the data network you know, if it works, don't fix it. So nobody's going to call and complain about anything. If they, you know, if they've got an unlimited plan and they can make all the calls that they want to across all the different devices, to all the different platforms that are out there, and eventually they'll all start, you know, um, basically working with each other. Then it's uh, it's something that you just don't think about. It's just like turning on the power, you know, the the, the light. It just comes on and and that's it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Right, so up now, let's talk about Sky and their online sports offering. Sean, mm. what's your what's your take on this? What we've uh, what's what's been announced uh, by by Sky um, is they're going to start making content available to you know those that don't subscribe to Sky's you know, traditional uh, you know, satellite TV services, and you're basically going to be able to buy. Uh, these these fan passes uh, now looking at the uh, at the Super Rugby 
Um, that is going to be $299 a year for an online subscription. Yeah. This can add up pretty quick, isn't it, if you're into a whole lot of sports and this is how you want to consume yeah, your that, content, that's isn't it? Yeah, that's only the, the, um, the rugby side of things. So if you're into the cricket as well, you know, like watching a bit of tennis, you could be spending a lot of money on the on that on the for having the convenience of watching it when you want to. You have to sort of stack stack them up uh, because you know a Sky subscription with with HD, you know, comes in around twelve hundred dollars a year. Yeah, and you know, more and more, I come across people that say, "Paul, I'd really just like to ditch this this Sky thing." I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm keen to jump to Netflix and online streaming and so on. Um, but I mean, huge portion of New Zealanders are so into their sport that. Yeah, they probably wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. But then there are certainly others, and you know, I was talking with with one today who he said, "Well, not you know, not so much into the sport, so actually pretty happy with some some uh, online streaming of movies and and TV programs." And yeah. that's actually uh, you know much more cost effective for two hundred and ninety nine a year. Uh, you'd get quite a bit of you know movie and and TV content. But when it comes to sport, I suppose there's pretty high production costs, aren't there? And it's got to be recouped somehow. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean the the interesting thing about it is that the um, you know those on-site broadcasting or outside broadcasting units, you know, they they have to be paid for. Um, it, That's coming down though, isn't it? I mean, technology is making it more and more cost-effective to produce the content. Although there is a demand for the sort of celebrity presenters and yeah. you know those sorts of things to to, can, to make it you know yeah. interesting. I mean, you can get your own drone, you know, put on a high-definition camera and fly it around the stadium yourself if you want to. Well, it might be cheaper than uh, <laughs> buying a ticket, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. and until sure. it gets until it gets shot down, it's uh, probably pretty good. Yeah, and just make sure that it can actually run for eighty minutes. Yeah. You know, a game of two halves. You you watch one half, get it, get it go back. Get a battery charged and go back out again. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good look if it sort of fell out of the fell out of the sky on your favourite player and uh, you know knocked him out, would it? <laughs> That's right. Or for the for the kick for the game, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the uh, it's the All Blacks playing the final in the Rugby World Cup, and, uh, and your drone is responsible yeah, for them missing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would be really fantastic. Mm, not 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 too cool. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think we've known about these these sort of prices and uh, yeah, being being possible. And of course, there are ways that you can also get these streams for free if it's mm. being broadcast uh, you know someone is putting those online and yep. it is you know I think that's growing just like the the you know access to movies and, and TV programs that are, you know, plenty of people that will access without paying for um, yeah these, these things as well so I think, uh, I they, think they're going to have to balance the pricing aren't they because if, yeah. if it's too much if the if the production costs are so high and I don't know the the greediness aspect etc uh, is too much and it's priced too high I mean I think there, there'll be a whole bunch of people that just go well we're, we're not going to bother we can get it for free online yeah exactly and that, that, that's always the thing I mean for diehard fans you're always going to um, invest in the sport, you know, whether it's motorsport or rugby, they know that the people who are playing are professional rugby players, and they, they, you know, the rate, the way that they get money is actually through things like TV rights to the relevant organisation. So it is, it is big business uh, for sure. So you know, if you price yourself outside the market and with the Kiwi audience as well, we don't like being treated as mugs. So if we get feel, if we feel that we've been taken advantage of, you know, we, we can turn our backs on stuff. Um, and you look what happened in uh, America, for instance, when they had the um, the baseball lockout, where all the owners and the players locked themselves out because of the ridiculous salaries that were being asked. 
and they've never, never quite recovered in, re- in regards to the size of the audience. Interesting, yeah, isn't and it? that was yeah. a big money play as well. So, you know, uh, businesses, you know, these guys will be looking at that, going, "Well, what can we get away with?" Because it's always about profit, but also what you know, what's what's you know, fear as well. Mm. So, um, so F1 racing uh, falls in a, a similar um, boat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the NRL and the F1, you're going to be able to uh, also get monthly passes, uh, fifty nine dollars or uh, forty nine. Uh, dollars for the uh, for the F one uh, and weekly passes, uh, which will be nineteen ninety and twenty four ninety. Now this is interesting because if we break down that two hundred and ninety nine for the Super Rugby, uh, you know the the pass for the year, uh, the Super Rugby, you know the the main part of it, you're talking twenty four weeks, mm-hmm. so that's uh, it's about twelve dollars fifty a week. Mm-hmm. So there's a real incentive not to pay not to pay the twenty nine dollars a week and just to sign up for the whole thing, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. So they're really really pushing you to go the full hog. Uh, but if you can't afford that that, uh, and I'm presuming that's an upfront cost, if you can't afford to whack that down, uh, and you pay the twenty nine dollars a week, you're you're hitting uh, up there, uh, yeah, north of six hundred dollars for that service. Yeah. If you're in a position where you're trying to get it come, I mean, that's a that's a big amount of money that's for a lot, uh, that's a lot of money in the rugby. So, yeah, uh, yeah I I would I, be I, quite I, curious just how this is going to pan out in a market like New Zealand, where yeah, word gets around pretty quickly about ways to access. Uh, you know, content in in less than legal manners, and yeah. if they are just price gouging too much, it it may not work as well for yeah. them. So if, yeah, there's, the, a, there's a real the, balance here. The thing to do really is if if you feel like you're being gouged or whatever, and you think that you need to get access to to content, just just talk to your kids. <laughs> they know about all the tricks. <laughs> they know about proxy servers and all these other kind of bits and pieces already. Yeah, and the, uh, go ask an eleven-year-old; they'll be able to tell you about it. <laughs> oh, it's a crazy world it's for uh, for us old folks, Sean, isn't it? <laughs> yes, hey, back crazy. in my day. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I, I mean, there's a good and a bad side to this, isn't there? Because mm. I think you know, there, there's been a a real interest for a long time in being able to pick and choose and get the services that you want when you want them, and not be paying for all those others. So, uh, you know, I think that's the flip side of the coin. And and for instance, if you're interested in and you know some movies and some TV, and just the Super Rugby, yeah. and well, you'll be able to get that mix of content for a lot less than a full Sky, Sky subscription today. Yeah, exactly, it's a happy so, meal. You know, yeah, you're basically yeah. uh, uh, talking about that. So, yep. Yeah, so, I guess it's um, yeah. There, are, there are those sides. You got to, you got to remember the the good, and uh, yeah, it'll take a fair amount of streaming content before you're flipping over that. That cost of the Sky subscription, I think a lot of people are, are keen to lighten up, though. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Uh, now, a couple of more just quick things before we finish up. Uh, Microsoft with their uh, OneDrive, which is their, their cloud storage service, so you can store your files and photos and whatnot uh, online. There, there's two versions of that now. There's OneDrive and then the OneDrive for Business, which uh, is, is effectively you know, links into their SharePoint online service, again, part of 365. Um, but they've, they've had some issues with that business service on the Mac uh, front and that it, it wasn't really as fully featured. It didn't sync the files back to your, your local machine. 
and uh, they fixed that. They've now got a preview app out for the Mac, which uh, is a combined OneDrive app that covers uh, business and uh, and consumer uh, OneDrive accounts. And um, yeah, it's available available for download now for the Mac. The other thing Microsoft have done that they've got their updated uh, app out for iPhone uh, and iPad, and uh, that that iOS app. Uh, supports also both the personal and the business versions of uh, of OneDrive, so you can mm. you have both of those worlds through through one app. And uh, yeah, I've had a look at that. It's um, it's it's looking okay. It seems uh, yeah pretty easy to get uh, to get uh, connected and to get it uh, get it up and running. So yeah, good to see those things sort of slowly ticking over. And we've got a lot of new products coming out from Microsoft this year. Today they've shared uh, more details around their new. Uh, SharePoint uh, 2016 product that's going to be uh, that's going to be coming through too. So yeah, a very uh, a very busy year in Microsoft's world, uh, and they seem to be getting across all sorts of news stories that uh, maybe shouldn't uh, shouldn't be Microsoft news stories. But uh, the new Raspberry Pi mm. has been announced, and for those that don't know about the uh, the Raspberry Pi, well, a Pi is a little uh, printed circuit board with a few chips on it and uh, USB ports and other little bits and pieces. Uh, just and effectively, it's the it's the basic guts of a of a computer yeah. um, that you can power off a off a USB uh, you know uh, cable, the sort of thing that might power your um, or charge your smartphone. And uh, they are the the Raspberry Pi is um, thirty five US dollars for a little computer. Yeah, well, I mean, it, uh, the whole point of these things is they call it system on a chip. Mm. So it's a single manufacturer, a single die, and it's got a graphics controller on it. It's got the CPU. It's got everything that it actually needs to So you can plug run. it into a TV or a monitor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this thing you can and, – and the Microsoft uh, bit is that they've announced they'll be making a sort of a developer version of Windows – available for free for the Raspberry Pi. So yeah. for 35 bucks, you've got a computer that you could uh, plug into your TV to be a media center. It could recognize browser. you when you walk into the door. So well, you, so if you, you don't have to get your if, you, if you plug in the camera and uh, you use this technology that Sean's talking about, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it will it will come to know you. Well, that's, that's that thing about the Internet of Things and everything becoming cheaper and cheaper. So that's $35 and it's quad core and it's got... I don't know, I'm not sure, what, two gigs of memory or something like that? Uh, I think it might be one... one uh, actually, it might be two gigs. I need to, I need to yeah. check that. I but you that guarantee before. in two years' time it will basically be eight cores and it will have, you know, 16 gigs of memory and, and, and whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's just the way that things are, isn't it? It's Moore's Law all over again, but instead of being an actual, you know, PC as, as such, it's a, a, a device that you can program it to do anything. So what are some of the what are some of the uses that you know people thinking thirty five dollars I can afford that as a, just a little hobby project to get uh, one of these things and um, yeah it's got a nine hundred megahertz quad core um, um, Cortex A seven CPU so they're saying it's six times faster than the the previous uh, version uh, what else have we got it's um, yeah it's got the the gig of Gig of RAM, uh, which has doubled the memory it had in the previous one. Uh, it's got an, an HDMI output, so you can uh, you can plug it into your TV. It's got a sound uh, output, so you can plug it into a speaker, uh, network connection, and, um, and and remember, it's also extendable as well. So it has a basically a port on it that you can plug other devices in there. So uh, you might end up having basically an optical out. 
you know, an optical output. So if you wanted to get, you know, um, 7.1 audio out uh, channels through fibre optics, you can actually go ahead and, and get those kind of things. Um, so there's there's a massive market around the, the, these particular devices, and the Arduino's another one. Yeah, so for that you can just extend them out to your heart sink. So a lot of people are using these for home automation, uh, i.e., turning on lights and voice recognition, and those. A very popular use for the Pi is actually as a media center. You can get Xbox Media Center for it. The um, XBMC and XBMC. and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you can watch movies or you know just. You know, tape it to the back of the TV, and uh, yeah, well, you can run the you can run these things off a you know off a little uh, battery as well. So, uh, you know, all sorts of sort of fun uh, projects you can come up with little robots and yeah. and and so on. And so because um, it's got a couple of USB ports as well. Of course, you can have wireless. You've got wireless on there yep, as well. And Wi-Fi, your mouse, and all that other kind of bits and pieces. So, yep. You know, it's uh, it's it's a, a, a computer on a chip. Yeah, and you can run you can run Linux on it. And uh, yeah, at some point this year there will be a a sort of variation on Windows 10 that's designed to run on this type of device. And yeah, Microsoft I guess is trying to gear up Windows uh, so it can just run on anything and. Yeah. So that they can compete with with Android and other sort of uh, you know Linux variations, they're they're starting to make it free on these things, which is uh, you know I think is yeah. is is great as far as uh, you know consumers are concerned. It's uh, it's a win. So uh, yeah. yeah, look looking forward to seeing this trying it out. One thing I have tried in the last uh, couple of weeks is I've I um, ordered online uh, quite a few months ago from the US. Uh, sorry, from uh, from China. A little uh, HDMI stick with a Intel Atom processor in it, okay. and uh, so that just basically plugs into your TV or into your monitor, and it's got a uh, um, a full Windows computer sort of built built into it. So uh, Bluetooth, so you can link in your wireless keyboard and mouse, and um, this one you can get them with 16, 32 gigs of uh, storage, and this one I think uh, two two gigs of RAM. And uh, plugged it in and uh, booted up with Windows 8.1, and uh, away I went. So, oh, cool. um, so there's yeah, there's there's a lot of miniaturisation going on at the moment, and yeah, I think this will will lead to some some quite interesting new uh, innovations as computers go from you know it wasn't that long ago, you know any sort of computer to run your stuff on, you know you were you were five hundred to a thousand dollars, but actually the processing on these, you know sub hundred dollar devices they're getting so quick so fast and getting smaller uh it won't be long before they've got more processing than yeah uh what you were spending that 500 or a thousand dollars on just a year or two back well the other thing as well is when you think about the future of things and now they're moving servers up into the cloud so you you basically buy storage and processing power and memory when you actually need it um there's no real reason why you can't bring that down to a pc level so you could say, well, actually, I've got my little device which I'm plugging into the TV where I'm accessing my uh, my virtual PC. But my virtual PC, I'm actually working on some AutoCAD drawings or some massive Excel spreadsheets or some BI, uh, business intelligence information. So while I'm doing all that, I'll upload or I'll add memory, I'll add capacity to my virtual machine. And my little $100 stick that I've got plugged into TV is just representing that display. Uh, and it's as long as you've got a decent network, you know, all your processing power, your storage, uh, and your memory, etc., is all uh, virtual. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I guess you know what the Raspberry Pi does. The bulk of that functionality, actually, your phone has just as many smarts and just as mm-hmm. many capabilities as well. 
And, you know, those are coming down to now we're able to buy a sub $100 phone that has virtually all of the stuff that's in the Raspberry Pi. Uh, Maybe not quite as practical from an extent, you know, extendability point of view, uh, but can push content out onto a TV. Uh, You know, it's got the, obviously got the battery and the screen and other bits and pieces built in. I mean, these things are just advancing so rapidly, but sub $100 for those as well now, right? Yeah, I mean, the the high end phones, they have wide eye, so wireless display. So you can hook up there. A lot of them have um, basically ports, HDMI ports. Um, so, you know, again, plugging that into the TV. Um, if you can get all your processor remotely, etc. Citrix do this already with their, their Citrix receiver, um, where you can install it on practically any type of device there. That's and right. You Connect into your it. office and, you know, yeah. do and all the work machine, you do yeah. and uh, just access it through. Through the phone. Yeah. Yeah, and your phone themselves. I mean, they're all talking about running high definition on the on the actual phone screen itself. So, yeah, I think we've got an interesting few years ahead in this technology world, Sean. It's uh, it's not about to sort of hold up or stop anytime soon, is uh, it? But it's still zeros and ones. It's all about the zeros and ones. Still got to give them the right behind one. the scenes. Behind, behind the, the scenes. scenes. Yeah. Fortunately, we're not flicking switches as uh, <laughs> as was the case in the early days. Flick yeah. a switch up for. One and off for zero or something. Yeah, um, yeah, crazy how quickly these things uh, these things move in the technology realm. All right, well, I think that's us for this week, Sean. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining me again. It's no been worries. a lot of fun. No worries. Uh, now, if people want to track you down uh, online, you got any sort of social media handles or anything you'd like to uh, share? I like, or, I like uh, to keep a low profile. You do, but don't any, you? anybody wants to talk to me, really, just look at LinkedIn. That's really the, yeah, the thing. Yeah, just go. Yeah. Oh, is that what he looks like? Great. All right. Thank you, Sean. Uh, you can track me down on, on Twitter and whatnot, um, on Twitter, at Paul Spain. Uh, and you can find uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com. And uh, our growing collection of other podcasts is up at podcasts.co.nz or .nz. Uh, if you want to be new school, you can start uh, dropping off the .co. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for joining us, and we will ke- catch you again uh, around the same time uh, next week. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.